You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1054 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Wednesday evening, and today's podcast is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Well, uh, the big news of the day is the John Collins saga appears to be over. At least reportedly, he will be agreeing to a five-year deal with the Hawks. And as I've been doing throughout free agency, I will just say this at the top of the podcast. I'm recording this at about 9 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday Free agency can change quickly, so the timestamp is appreciated. But that'll get we'll get into all the Collins stuff later on in the show, as well as some roster situation comments and the fact that the Hawks announced their summer league roster on Wednesday. First, I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast and remind us to subscribe to the show on your platform of choice, whether it's Spotify or Stitcher or Odyssey, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or even Facebook. I appreciate all of the support. And also, one quick note here at the top in terms of housekeeping. The Lost on Hawks Twitter account is unfortunately suspended at the moment. No one's entirely sure why at this point, but a lot of the podcasts from the podcast network that is locked on got suspended kind of at the same time, so I'm not really sure what's happening there, but you can follow me on Twitter at BT Roland for all the latest on the show and all the stuff on the Hawks. And hopefully the show page will be back up and running really soon. But that was just a PSA. People were asking me what happened to the Locked On Hawks account. I'm not exactly sure, but it'll be back in the near future. It's mostly just me posting the podcast, so not a whole lot of exciting content there otherwise. But please follow the show on Twitter and spread the word about the podcast. All right, before we get to some obviously huge news about John Collins, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models in the car or truck world, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure often pointless questioning from someone at a storefront and have to wait while someone at the counter orders the parts on the computer, only choosing the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com right now, both at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all the audio and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need. Just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is uniquely and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specs, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you went right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box to know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. And for John Collins, it was a pretty good day at the office on Wednesday. Well, I feel like it was longer than it actually was. The Collins deal is now done, reportedly anyway, not been announced just yet by the Hawks because they can't do that right now during the moratorium. But 
Both sides can claim victory to some extent here. The deal was reported about 48 hours or even less than that, actually, since he started free agency. So it actually moved pretty quickly by restricted free agent standards. Keep that in mind, as it, even if it felt like it was taking a while, um, I guess when compared to the rest of the uh, lightning-fast market in free agency. But Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN broke the news about Collins' deal on Wednesday morning. Five years and $125 million for John, including a player option on the fifth and final season. The fifth year is the 2025-26 campaign, a long time from now, but he will definitely be under contract through at least the 24-25 season. And we'll go through all the logistics here, all the angles to get into, as we always would on the podcast. One of the things that's uncertain right now, other than the player option, which has now been reported, and I trust that reporting, I've heard the same, um, is what the contract structure will actually be. There are different ways to do this money-wise to get to five years and 125 over the life of the contract. It could begin as high as the max, which is $28.1 million or so for Collins if the Hawks wanted to front-load it and Collins was amenable to that. It could also be... Uh, it can also start pretty darn low and actually rise every season if they wanted to do that. It can't be fully declining. Uh, if they start it at the top of the market, they have to get it down to the point where the fourth and fifth season are actually the same. There's a rule in the CBA where the fifth year cannot be less than the fourth year if it's, if it's a player option on that last season. So that has to be at least the same or a little bit more uh, in year five as it is in year four. Keep that in mind. But ideally, for me though, I would try to start this deal as high as possible if the Hawks have any say in the matter at this point in time. They want to go ahead and do that in my mind because of the uh, luxury tax implications later on. You have guys who are going to be up for deals. Also, Trey Young is now locked in for a lot of money. His deal goes up each season. Uh, Kevin Herter could have an extension pretty soon. You have DeAndre Hunter down the line. All that fun stuff. It'd be good for the Hawks planning-wise to start Collins as high as possible. Also, they could do it as a flat $25 million a year, that's definitely an option as well. And it could, as I said before, start low and go higher. Um, that's probably the worst case scenario for me. Again, not, not a huge deal, um, all things considered. It won't be life-altering, I don't think, if this deal starts low and goes higher. But because of the future money that's tied up, or at least might be tied up, it definitely is, and Trey Young, etc., you want to at least have some flexibility, especially if you don't think that wrestlers are going to be likely to pay a huge tax bill in the future with guys like Hunter and Herder coming down the line. But regardless, not a huge problem. For me, I'm just saying my preference if I'm the Hawks would be to start high or at least start flat and not have this deal be rising, but we'll talk about that when we know more about it in the near future. Regardless, though, Collins getting $25 million a year is totally fine value for both the team and the player, in my mind. That number does help them for planning purposes. They know a lot more about their future situation now than they did before. Um, I will say this. People ask me this question, and I had the same thought. The Hawks probably could have squeezed Collins a little bit more than they did here. I'm not entirely sure about that, but from the outside looking in, it didn't seem like Collins had another shooter that was going to really drive the price up. And with with that lens, the Hawks could have played hardball here. Now, that takes away a little bit of the interpersonal dynamics. Uh, I'm sure they all like each other. You know, you guys want to, uh, John's a good guy that everybody seems to enjoy. So um, inflicting pain on him in this negotiation may not have been a whole lot of fun for Travis Schlenk and Tony Ressler. And maybe that's why this got done in this fashion. But if there is, I should say again, if, if, if there was not another suitor, they could have played hardball with this a little bit longer and a little bit more firmly. But they didn't do that. Um, and I'm okay with that, honestly. I was mildly surprised, I would say, that Collins got the player option at the end of the deal. Not a huge thing. And I actually kind of projected five for 125 for a while now in the last couple of weeks. But the player option does give Collins some extra value in that he could opt out of that if, he, if things are going well and hit the, hit the market again a year early. And if he's not playing that well or if, has, if there's an injury or whatever, he can opt into that. And that's usually the assumption is that the player will make the right choice. And that means that less value on the team side. 
Again, not a huge deal, but that's definitely a point in Collins favor in the, in, the, in the negotiation is that player option. That's definitely a value for the player and not for the team. But regardless, that's probably the only knock on the deal from the Hawks side and that they could have played hardball, but I'm not going to dwell on that because I think the deal overall is totally fine and a good value for all parties involved. It's not a huge discount or anything. That's something I will say. Like, I understand maybe the thought process outside of Atlanta that maybe the Collins is a, this is a lot of money for John Collins, guaranteed. But given his age, as we'll get into in a second, I think that this is totally fine and it's well below the max. His max was considerably more than this by about $35 million over a five-year period. So they're saving some real money on that when compared to the, to the top, top, top of the line. And I think Collins is a guy who honestly should be paid not the max, but close to it. That's the kind of player John Collins is. He's a top 50 guy in the league, 60 guy in the league. And if you just kind of go down the list of how those guys are usually paid, they're in this range. So I think it's totally appropriate for a guy as young as he is and as good as he is to get this contract. And on the team side, that's definitely the case. On the player side, it's life-changing money for John Collins. He's now locked in to $100 plus million, and that is uh, enough to change your life. Uh, Collins has made, obviously, millions in his career already, but as a guy who was drafted in the mid to late first round, he wasn't making $10 million a year coming out, of, coming out of school. He's still obviously well off compared to regular people, but this is you know a massive, massive life-changing amount, so congrats to John on that for sure. Um, as for the player, I'm sure a lot of this stuff that I'm about to say will not be new to diehard Hawks listeners, but if you're a new listener to the podcast or if you're someone who doesn't know the team as well as some others, I want to go over kind of what he's been recently in terms of his play on the floor and also what you can expect in the future. And the way that I would describe Collins is that he's basically a fringe star. And that's not a knock on him. That's actually a really, really good player, like a top 50 guy in the league, something like that. Um, someone who probably isn't going to make a ton of all-star teams, but also is going to be right on the edge of that precipice and a guy who is a legitimately a uh, you know well-rounded, extremely, extremely effective basketball player. Over the last three seasons, and two of those are abbreviated years, there was some injury stuff in there as well, the numbers have been really, really good for Collins. 19.3 19 points per game, nine rebounds per game while shooting... 57% from the floor and 38% from three with about 80% from the line. A 64% true shooting mark over three years is just absolutely elite for any player, particularly a guy who is actually able to shoot the ball away from the rim. The guys who shoot this kind of number are usually like your dunkers um, who, doesn't, who, don't, who don't do a whole lot else. Collins can obviously do that as well, but he's a guy who has a great mid-range touch, three-point shooting, free-throw shooting, the entire bag offensively in terms of play finishing. He's one of the best finishers in the entire NBA, quite frankly. Um, one of the best role men in the, in the league. He's not done that as much recently because of Clint Capella being around, but he could definitely do that at an elite level. Him and Trey Young have awesome chemistry in the pick and roll, and also a very reliable three-point shooter. He's not Duncan Robinson as a shooter, but he's a very good shooter for the four and an excellent one when he's playing center. So keep that all in mind as well. He has to be guarded. That definitely helps, especially when you're trying to effect, factor in him playing with Capella and even a Kongu right now as a basically a non-shooter. Having that versatility with Collins, who could play the four and the five and do so effectively and versatilely is very, very important. Elsewhere on offense, I would say his passing is probably his weakest skill, but he's definitely better now than he was a few years ago as a passer. That's an area to work on. I think he knows that. But really, again, it's only it's kind of his only weakness, especially with a pretty effective post game and that the fact that he's his touch around the rim and in the mid-range is just fantastic. Um, defensively, he's come a long way. I'll be the first to admit when he was coming out of the draft, I was very worried about Collins' defense. And even as a rookie under Budenholzer and maybe even a little bit in year two, it was not great defensively. And that was the one knock on him coming out of school was the defense. And I agreed with that. And I made that knock myself. Now, with that said, he's not going to be Draymond Green in the future, but Collins has gotten a lot better to the point where I've kind of been saying now for about a year and a half, 
And he's no longer a negative defensively. Not a huge, huge, huge positive most of the time, but still totally fine. He's pretty big. He's pretty versatile. He's got good size, a power forward for sure. He's become a quality rip protector on the weak side with a good block right the last two years. Um, not amazing in space against smaller players, but decent enough most of the time. He's quick for his position and has really improved in terms of being in the right place at the right time for the most part. His team defense has improved. And I think we saw in the playoffs, I heard from people around the league that probably hadn't watched the Hawks as closely, to be fair, uh, in the last you know year or two before this. But people were definitely impressed by his defense and how far it has come since the, his, his sort of his early season, his early career, I should say, um, mark. So overall, defensively, I think... That's a big part of this, is that the Hawks have been really, really good defensively when he plays with Capella. Um, and that's, I would say you have to give most of the credit to that to Capella, but they've been able to, to, to construct a pretty good defense, even with Trey on the floor, if you have Collins and Capella playing together. So Collins' defense has come a long way. It's one of the big questions that he has answered. The passing will be one in the future, but as an uh, overall exercise, Collins is a pretty really, uh, I would say he's a very, very good player. I, I would I would certainly say, uh, like Tower Jones, front of the podcast, has been on the show um, banging the drum for John for quite some time. I think he's been mostly proven right on that. Uh, Collins is an awesome player, and this is a good contract through that lens. Overall, he's 23 years old right now. That's important to note. He'll be 24 before the season starts, but even then, this is basically his prime the next five seasons. If he plays the next five years, that entire contract with Atlanta, he'll be hitting for agency at 28 years old. And that's... Again, that, that's your prime. Your mid to late 20s are your best years, and the Hawks are getting his best years, at least in, in terms of projection, on this deal. And I think that's not a huge – I would say there's not a huge risk of him tailing off due to age stuff during that. You know, some guys age quicker quicker than others, but even then, 28 is a pretty early age to be sort of slowing down. Maybe his next contract, the one after this, might be a question mark, but by that, by that point in time, we'll have more information, etc. So not a whole lot of concern there. There's always some risk. On a five-year deal, that's not for an absolute super-duper star, but the fifth year lets them know, actually, that his annual value was a little bit lower. The max is not going to be coming in. That probably mattered to ownership, honestly. I'm not privy to that right now, but given what wrestlers said about keeping everybody and also just the, the sort of logistics of the finances, I would imagine that keeping the annual value down was pretty important on some level for this ownership group. And if you want to be a cynic about it, this is also a deal that could be tradable. Um, I'm not projecting that necessarily, but that was one something I talked about openly when it was coming up to whether he'd be re-signed, is that even if the Hawks didn't absolutely love this contract, and we don't know that right now. I think I don't, I don't have intel on that. I think they're probably happy to have him back for sure. But even if they were not like absolutely in love with this, I argued then, and I would still argue now, even through that lens, it's worth it to have the trade asset. And I think you don't have to try to trade him right now or in the future. He can't be traded for a while, by the way. Keep that in mind. But down the line, this is a deal that should be movable. I think Collins is going to stay as a good player and be very productive. I think he'll have some value if you want to do that and change the tenor of the team at this point in time. So checking all the boxes here, really good player, appropriate contract, good age, not a whole lot to complain about with this deal. Um, also, beyond the logistics there, they simply could not lose him. Um, and there are, this is something I've been talking about for a while, so I'm not going to go through the entire charade again, but the Hawks just did not have a way to replace John Collins with their current setup in terms of the free, agent, uh, you know, free agency or the salary cap or the machinations. Um, barring a trade that would have been difficult to project, if Collins had left, they could not have really brought another guy that would, I would say, replicate his production. Um, that's not the only reason to bring him back by any means, but that definitely matters. Um, this is a team that made a run to the Final Four of the NBA last year, 
And to lose Collins, they would have been a, a different team and a worse team without him on the, without him on the on the squad on offense and defense. So that all matters in a big way, and I think that's why I, I think the consensus was once the Hawks made that run, it was very likely that Collins would return. Not 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 definite by any means, but certainly likely, and that definitely played out in the way that we saw. So basically, my opinion is that this is a very solid contract for the Hawks. It's not one where you absolutely go out and throw a party about the huge bargain that you got. But if I told you, and this is kind of what I projected for a while. 5-125 is totally fine. I think I think Hawks fans should be happy about this. I think John Collins fans that are also Hawks fans will be thrilled about this that he's staying that he's staying put. I think John's a good ambassador for the city and the team. I've always enjoyed my um, discussions with him overall as well, and he's got a great personality and uh, it makes the game. He, he's definitely a fun player to watch as well. On top of all that stuff, so all the factors in play, I think this is a good time for the Hawks, a good time for Collins, and uh, this resolution being quickly um, quickly done is also significant. And there, this is not like a long drawn out battle where there's animosity on both sides. John got his money, the Hawks had their player, and all is white with the world here. So I think everybody should be pretty happy about it. That's kind of my overall take at this point in time. It's not, you know, ridiculous. It's not necessarily franchise changing. But now, if you look at the roster, you have Trey Young locked up long term. You have John Collins locked up long term. You still have your young players on the roster from DeAndre Hunter to Kevin Herter to Cam Reddish to Anika Kongwu. You have the vets in Clint Capella and Bogdan Madanovich and Danilo Gallinari. You have a really, really good team that's now under control for a while and the future money will be a question for sure but for now enjoy this one i would say hawks fans and collins will be around for the long term all right before we get to the rest of the podcast today a word from our sponsors on the show and the first of which is betonline.ag even with the season over now for the atlanta hawks betonline is still your home for the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action Baseball season, for example, is still in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline, get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the latest great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for the run to the playoffs. And even when they're in the playoffs, head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Yes, that's checking out betonline.ag for 50% and extra cash and a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code is Locked On for 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so the big domino is now in place with John Collins. The offseason continues for the Hawks, and they've done a lot of work, though, at this point in time. From the roster standpoint, the Hawks now have 13 guys under guaranteed contracts, at least if you believe all the reporting that's out there about DeLon Wright and Gorgie Jang. Um, that, and I would say this is factoring in Collins, Jang, Solomon Hill, Jalen Johnson as a first-round pick, and DeLon Wright. That'd be 13 guys under contract. They have Young and Wright at point guard, but Donovan and Herter, Hunter, Reddish, and Hill. Uh, Collins, Gallinari, Johnson, Capella, Akongwu, and Gorgie Jang. Plus, they have the rights to Sharif Cooper, second-round pick, and Skylar Mays is a, is a restricted free agent. Those guys I project to be at least in the mix, probably. Cooper, for sure, and then Mays, I would say, probably at this point in time, either on, either on a two-way or a minimum contract of some sort. So, some other things to keep an eye on now the rest of the offseason. Kevin Herter's extension is still in play. It's been pretty quiet on this, at least in my uh, viewpoint. That's not unusual at all, though. The max guys like Trey Young and SGA and Luka, those guys get done quickly most of the time. That's very common. But it's also common that guys who are not quite at the star level, that they wait till later in the offseason. In fact, rookie extensions, like the one for Kevin Herter as a first-round pick, 
They can be signed all the way until October, and more specifically, through the day before the season starts. Uh, and, and, and when I say the season, I mean the regular season. So this could go out for another you know, two and a half months, basically, on Herder. And that was, if you remember this with Collins last year, it was a shorter time frame because of the bubble and all that stuff. But um, that was there was still drama until the start of the season, basically. Could be the case for Herder. It may not get done. I wouldn't panic just yet. It's still very early in this cycle. But it could be like Collins, could be like somebody else that it gets that it gets done. We will see on that. But keep that in mind as sort of a, a sort of an external domino if um, that if that deal gets done in the near future. In terms of glaring needs on the roster, they don't really have any, at least right now. Now that doesn't mean that they're, that they're perfect. But in terms of what they actually had coming into the offseason, it was basically get Collins done, backup point guard, and another big to sort of fill in for Okongwu. And they've now done that with Collins, Delon Wright, and Gorky Jang. So. From here, I think they probably should consider another big man of some sort, um, either on a minimum or on a two-way contract. But they do have Capella and Jang, plus Collins can play some five, Gallinari can play some five, and a Kongwu eventually. On the wing, they have plenty of guys. Um, you can you always use another one because you just can't have too many wings. But there isn't a ton of playing time to be had, especially if you think that Johnson might play a little bit at three eventually. That's definitely possible. Um, at point guard, it'll probably be one more guy on the roster, uh, at least on the full roster, whether it's Sharif or Mays or somebody else. Lou Williams could be in the mix still. They have two, they have two-way spots, but if you assume that you know someone like Cooper or Mays could be in a two-way spot as well, they have a lot of guys under contract, or at least that could be under contract in the near future. So basically, it could be, I want to say, I want to say again, it could be quiet at this point in time. It, it could be largely done with the offseason. Now, they don't definitely have to be. Trades certainly uh, are in play. Um, there isn't a clear rotation spot available, barring a trade, but trades could happen, as always. You know, guys like Reddish and Gallinari have been linked to trade rumors throughout the offseason, and, you know, th- those guys could still be dealt. It's conceivable to me. Um, but, again, if, unless, they, unless they make a deal like that, the roster, at least the rotation, is fairly set on paper. Um, and depending on the, on the structure of Jing's contract, the Hawks can either have part of the mid-level exception to work with, or all of it, basically, if, if Jang fits in the biannual exception. And all that means is that they can give Cooper some more money if they want to do that. They could give another player if they want to get on, on the market. I know Paul Mills has a popular idea um, by Hawks fans, and I brought that up before the Jeng signing. But still, they have some wiggle room here if they want to get creative. The Collins structure could be a factor. If they start him high, they have less room under the tax. If they start him low, they have a lot of room if they want to go out and spend the MLE on a player to help them. So there's some flexibility there. Um, they have you know six million or so under the tax line if Collins is on the max. And it goes up from there with the lower that he would go on his first year contract. In the end, though, most of the team could be in place at this point in time. That the caveat again is that trades could happen, but if they don't, they're pretty much not locked in. But they have a lot of guys who project to be in their same roles. And I try not to project trades unless I have real intel, and I don't on this one. So guys have been linked to trade off trade rumors, I should say. Uh, both Gallinari and Reddish have been linked in them uh, in public, but for now. This is the roster. It looks like uh, they're basically running it back, but as a matter of team, the way that I described this today on my Twitter feed was that the Hawks basically entered the offseason, um, fixed their holes, and also brought John Collins back. And they did all of that work without bringing in any bad contracts. I think DeLon Wright is appropriately paid, or at least reasonably paid. Gorgie Jang, same thing. John Collins, same thing. They had a great draft with Johnson and Cooper in my mind. So in terms of the offseason so far... It's basically like an A for me, and I'm not the most effusive guy in terms of praising, but 
I don't have any criticism so far of what the Hawks have done. I liked all of these moves from Collins to Solomon Hill on the minimum to both draft picks to the Jeng deal to the right trade. They've all been good for me, and that's not always the case. I am not shy about telling you when I don't like a move, but so far the Hawks are batting a thousand in my mind on this offseason. So um, we'll have much much more on the, on, on the coming days because they're going to have to do something else. Even if they were to just sign Cooper and Mays, that's 15 guys, but they also have two, uh, they also have two-way spots available. So in general... They have 17 roster slots. They have 15 total roster spots that are actually like full-on roster guys. And then and then the two two-way guys. So 17 players could be in the mix, as many as 17, I should say. And for now, they only have 13 under contract and two like guys who are actually linked, and that is, Co- is Cooper and with the match rights on Skyler Mays. So keep that all in mind as we move forward. I'll keep updating you on a daily basis on the podcast. Last thing today, the Summer League roster is now official. The Hawks actually practiced today in Las Vegas on Wednesday and announced their roster for the for the team. Um, Sarah Spencer of the AJC did some reporting earlier this week that we talked about on the podcast, and for the most part, that is uh, proven to be spot on. Um, no big surprises when you factor that in, that reporting from Sarah, which is crucial stuff, and shouts to Sarah. Um, the headliners on the roster are Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper, and Skylar Mays. Those are the three guys who are projected to be like around the team this year, obviously. Um, Nathan Knight was planned to be there, but now is going to be with the Wolves, so no surprises there. Uh, Cam Reddish, though, is not on the roster. As Sarah reported earlier this week, it is not injury-related. Um, that's all we know right now as to why he is not playing. It, as I said a couple of days ago, it's a little bit weird for sure that the Hawks said he was going to play, and now that he isn't. I said I made this point before, but if they had never said anything, it would have been totally normal to me that he wouldn't play. But just sort of the back and forth, raise some eyebrows. I totally get that. I don't, I don't think you want to make too much out of it. But Reddish is not going to be there. He's not on the roster. I wouldn't panic about that. But I understand some uh, pretty weird reactions that I saw on Twitter, and, and I, I totally get it. It's a little bit strange, if nothing else. Um, elsewhere on the roster, I would say this. I always, always, always say. It is more likely than not that no one on the, on, the, on the Summer League roster that is sort of a non-roster invitee is likely to make the team. Now, it's possible, for sure, and this time around, I'll actually have four guys who have been in the NBA, like, fairly recently on their uh, Summer League roster. Um, Devon Akun-Purcell, uh, Jeremiah Martin, Eric Moreland, and Admiral Schofield have all played in the NBA r- relatively recently. Akun Purcell is a 28-year-old wing who's played pro in a lot of different spots, G League, overseas, etc. Martin is a 25-year-old guard who played college at Memphis, has been in the league before. Eric Moreland's actually almost 30 years old, but he's actually played for four different seasons in the NBA as a combo big type. Definitely a fringe NBA player, but someone who's a, certainly a competent professional. And then Admiral Schofield, I kind of liked in the draft um, out of Tennessee a couple years ago. He was a top 45 pick in 2019. Um, so, so they have some flyers here. They have some guys who could be competent it would not surprise me if they had signed any of these guys to a, a training camp deal, keep them around. I still would be surprised if any of these guys actually made the roster. But uh, this is not this is not a terrible summer league roster by um, by modern standards. Again, I covered a team that had only Mike Mescal on it. So to have the two draft picks and Scholar Mays, there's already some interest here. It's not like one of your jam-packed lineups that the Hawks have had in the last couple of years where they have lottery picks galore on their roster. But they do have some intrigue here. Um, hilariously... The folks, uh, I've seen a couple of like summer league odds kind of things, and the Hawks are on there. Uh, it's too early for that. I don't really care about that. But the Hawks should be at least fun to watch on some level. In particular, Cooper and Johnson should be entertaining and informative. Um, also, last guy that I, wish, I, I always wanted to mention, I'm not going to read the entire roster to you. It's available. I tweeted about it. Um, but Javin Delorier out of Duke was a top 40 high school recruit, played four years at Duke, a pretty athletic energetic big man he could be a little bit of fun to watch it could be like a two-way-ish kind of option potentially for the Hawks um but the Hawks opened their schedule on Sunday at 4 p.m eastern against Boston 
on NBA TV. That's the opener of the entire Summer League, actually, in Las Vegas. And I'm planning, hopefully, to talk a little bit more sum- about Summer League between now and then. But regardless, that's sort of your primer for now and your nuts and bolts. And we'll talk all about Summer League next week. And I'll be live in Las Vegas covering the festivities. Last thing on the pod is that news broke today that Ryan Cameron will not be returning as the PA announcer for the Hawks next season. He was the, he was the, he was the voice of the Hawks in, in the arena for 17 seasons. And uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Ryan Cameron, like we're not like friends or anything. I've talked to RC a few times and he's been around the team for a long time. It's going to be very strange to not hear his voice in the arena. So he's a legend in the city. He'll still be around, but I want to at least say that, acknowledge that. It'll be, it'll be very, very strange to hear um, someone other than Ryan Cameron as the booming voice in the arena. So we just wanted to say that, a non-basketball thing, but something that I at least wanted to acknowledge at the end of the pod. All right. Thanks for listening. As always, everybody, we will come back hopefully with one more episode before I go to Las Vegas. But um, the best way to find the podcast, as always, is to subscribe to the show. Tell your friends, uh, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland, and we'll see you next time.